Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield and this is your 15. The topic of our 15 today is the marriage covenant. Now, you may not even have heard those words before because in our modern world, marriage is about other stuff, man. Marriage is about Bride magazine and marriage is about, you know, love and it's about physical bodies and it's about romance and it's about, you know, I saw her across the room and I lost my mind and all of that has a role in it. But, you know, we're in crisis about marriage today all over the world. Families are weakening. Divorce is high. People report a certain amount of unhappiness in marriage. There's infidelity. We all, we all know this. We see it in the press. We see it amongst the rich and the famous and the powerful. We also see it among the common man. So, so what's the answer? Well, the answer to all things is always Jesus, and it's always his word. And it's always what he's revealed to us and what we are meant to obey. And when it comes to marriage, what we're meant to obey and what we're meant to understand is the marriage covenant. I want to tell you as we start this little mini-series uh, here in these 15s on the marriage covenant, that this is one of the most important things you can know about marriage. If you're single, but you intend to be married, this is absolutely essential. It'll affect the way you approach uh, the possibility of a mate and the people of the opposite sex that you, you hang out with and talk to and date. If you're married, uh, this will strengthen your marriage. This will help you be better uh, as a husband, as a wife, have greater romance. The marriage covenant is the key. And I, I love teaching this. I love talking about this. This is in that category of truth that nobody told me about when I got married. I, doesn't it make you crazy to do something, to give yourself to something? And, and people haven't told you what you need to know, you know? Uh, I never will forget being put into a football game once and, and the coach forgot to tell me something. And I went in, I got absolutely wiped out. And when I ran out to the sidelines after that play, the coach says, ooh, I forgot to tell you something. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. I got my bell rung, as we say in football, and you didn't tell me what I needed to know. Well, I don't want to get my bell rung in, in, uh, in marriage. I want to be a good husband. I want to have a happy marriage. I want my marriage, my home, the culture around my home uh, to be representative of the kingdom of God. I want people to come and, and bask in the joy and the presence and the life and the love and the tenderness, and the encouragement that permeates my home because my marriage is strong. So let me talk to you about the marriage covenant. Uh, there are two scriptures in the Bible which make it very, very clear that marriage is a covenant. Uh, the first one is Proverbs 2, verse 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17. And here's what it says. Of course, Proverbs is all about wisdom and, and you know, avoiding immorality and being wise. But here's what it says in verse uh, 16, actually. Uh, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman from the wayward woman with her seductive words, verse 17, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Ignored the covenant she made before God. This is the first time in the Bible that it's very clear that marriage is a covenant. But there's another scripture. It's Malachi 2, verse 13 through 14. It says this, Another thing you do, you, you, know, you know the book of Malachi, God is sort of listing off his complaints about Israel at the time. He says, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. So both in Proverbs 2 and in Malachi 2, the Bible calls marriage a covenant. 
And in other places, it doesn't use those words, but it implies that marriage is a covenant. Now, this concept of covenant is absolutely critical for us. You know, many scholars look at the idea of covenant and they assume that it comes out of the Middle East and out of Middle Eastern history and the, the Semitic peoples and their styles. Um, and God certainly uses human customs and, and human habits and rituals. Uh, but the idea of covenant was God's. It actually began to permeate the Semitic or Middle Eastern peoples uh, because it was an idea that came from God, the covenants that God would cut. Uh, I, I just want to talk for a few minutes about covenant to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, listen to what one scholar said. The covenant is the unchangeable method by which God has bound himself to man. It is the vehicle of his love, the channel of his blessings. You really can't understand Christianity or God's work with men on the earth unless you understand covenant. God comes to men. He says, I want to do things for you. I require the following things of you. If you'll obey me, if you'll obey the terms of this covenant, this agreement between us, then uh, you, you will experience the following blessings. And, you know, we all deal with covenants all the time. If you buy a house, you buy a car, you go to college, all those are covenants. All, we, we may call them contracts, uh, but, but they're all covenants. So you, you agree to some things, like if you're going to buy a house, you agree to you know, put down the money at a certain rate or make sure the money's there at closing. And the other person agrees to provide the house, but they've got to plant the yard first or fix the leak in the second bathroom and all that kind of thing. And then there are certain blessings, aren't there, in a sense? You get to own this house and you get to have sole control of it. And only if you don't pay do you lose it, that kind of thing. Well, that's, that's, that's really a covenant. And, and, and the, God deals with us in covenants all the time. Very quickly, uh, let me just review a few things about covenants you ought to know. Uh, first of all, covenants, as God engages them with us, reveals his nature. That he is a God who's trustworthy. That he is a God who keeps his word. That he is a God who wants to bless his people. That he is a God who requires obedience. That he is a God who sees all things. He's a God of covenant. That's what covenant means. All of those things are bound up in the covenant. Uh, the next thing is that the Bible makes it clear that to be without covenant is to be lost. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise. All of the Old Testament history with the Jews is a series of covenants. And of course, Christianity is a covenant as well. And the Bible says in Ephesians that we're without covenant. We're not a people. We're lost if we don't have covenants with God. Because of course, Jesus Christ was the way that God fulfilled and erected the ultimate covenant. Uh, God acts in terms of his covenants. I love passages like this. It says in Exodus uh, 24, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God deals with people according to covenants. He, not just the Jews, but, but, but of course Christian believers as well. He deals with us according to covenant. Sometimes God would be angry in the Old Testament. Uh, and what would happen? He would remember his covenant. I remember that I have a covenant with whoever he had a covenant with. With David, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And he would change his behavior based on the commitments he had made. That's the kind of God he is. Uh, and then God's covenants are a basis for man's covenants. The number of things in our society, as, as this grows from Scripture, that are covenantally based are, are pretty amazing. For example, did you know that we get the word federal, that we use for our federal government, from the word covenant in Latin? Fedora is the, is the word covenant in Latin. That's where the word federal comes from. Our federal government is a covenanted level of government, isn't it? Uh, supposedly, anyway, our Constitution, speaking uh, of here in the United States, I know that others of you watching have got other kinds of governments in your countries. 
countries. But in the U.S., we have a constitution, and it really is meant to be a covenant between the people who rule and, and the people, uh, the, the mass of people those who are ruled. And so this is a coveted level of government. You, you used to form a church by creating a covenant. Uh, you, you used to not say, I'm a member of a church. You used to say, I'm a member of the covenant of a certain church because churches were covenants. And as we're saying today, of course, marriage is a covenant. So all of this is unbelievably important. And then, of course, we need a restoration of the idea of covenant in our time. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that one of the ways we displease God is by being covenant breakers. But he wants us to be people of fidelity, people who keep the covenant, not just with him, but also with each other. So it, I, we could go on for years talking about the covenants and how it guides us in Scripture and how God deals with man in a series of covenants. But what we want to deal with now is uh, what is the covenant? Now, some of you are going to have a little bit of difficulty with this only because you tend to think of marriage in purely emotional, sentimental terms. And I don't want to come across like some hard-hitting attorney or judge today and say, no, nah, forget all the sentiment and feelings. It's all about this. It's all about this covenant. You know, it's all about this, uh, this legal obligation we have to each other. You know, the reality is that your physical body is both soft material and, and, and stuff that's, that's soft. I mean, wouldn't we be uh, weird looking if we were metallic and hard everywhere? But inside of our bodies is a, is a bony structure called the skeleton, and you need both. I'm, I'm thankful for the softer parts of us, you know, the stuff that's, that's not meant to be hard like, like bone. But, but if I didn't have a skeleton in my body right now, I'd crumble to the floor in a, in a pile of flesh, I guess. And so we need the structure. We need the, the inner core. We need the grid. Uh, we need the skeleton. And that's what the marriage covenant is. So what we're going to talk about now are the, the things that God calls a man to do and the things that God calls a woman to do in the marriage covenant. Remember now, a covenant is an agreement between two people. And in the case of the marriage covenant, the Bible makes it very clear that this is not only a covenant with each other, it's also a covenant with God. So when you are getting married, and, and, and I just need to say, and I mean this a little bit humorously, when folks come to their wedding ceremony, they have lost their minds for the most part. I've done lots of weddings. I look at the faces of these young people, most of them young. They, they are not thinking about these things right here. I don't expect you to be necessarily having these in your mind the day you get married. I do expect you to know them. Premarital counseling ought to happen around this idea of the covenant. Husbands and wives ought to discuss it. People who are engaged ought to discuss it so that they can, so that they can prepare and fix and understand what they're obligated to. So what I'm going to do in this 15, the remainder of it, and in the next 15, is talk to you about the terms of the covenant. When you get married, more than sentiment, more than desire for sex, more than just physical attraction, uh, more than just the romance of being married and honeymoons and dresses and flowers and family coming and food, it's about making a covenant before God that I'm going to do certain things. Now let me tell you why this is so important. I know I'm going on at length here in the introduction, but it's important for you to get this. Most of the reasons that most human beings get married are going to change about the other person, about themselves. You know, when I got married at the age of 23, I looked a little different than I do now. I didn't have as much fat. I didn't have as many wrinkles. I didn't have as much age in my face. I didn't, I looked better. Well, my wife needed to understand that I was going to change. And if what she was excited about was just me physically, 
Well, that's going to change. I'm going to change emotionally. Circumstances are going to change. You might marry a rich man who doesn't end up being rich. Uh, you might marry a woman who is, you know, uh, the most beautiful woman in the world. That's going to change. You might marry her because you love her voice. That's going to change. Maybe you like her family. Some of them are going to die. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every natural human reason for which we might get married can change. But the covenant of God never changes. And the beauty about this covenant is that when we commit to certain things, when we commit to the covenant, then God comes in and he honors our commitment. Now, I'm only going to get a few principles into this before we'll have to wait until the next 15 to put all this together. But, but we'll get some. And here, here's, the, here's the beginning of it. I'm going to start with a list for men. And men, your list is five times longer than the list for women. That's, that's just reality. And I think God's telling us something through that. Ultimately, uh, the home and the family is not about is not something that the woman's solely responsible for. That's the way men have lived for generations. Biblically, a man takes responsibility for the condition of the marriage. It's his job. It's his role. And so when you list out all the things, and I think I have them all here, but there may be one or two that we aren't going to cover, but, but when you list all the things that a man's obligated to, and all the things the Bible tells a woman she's obligated to, you find out pretty quickly that the man is obligated for a whole lot more. So let's start this, and then we'll have to pick it up in, in the next 15, because um, there, there's such an extensive list. But oh, this is so important. It's going to help us have strong and wonderful marriages. First of all, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, we find the first obligation. I'm just going to speak of the men now. I'll come back to the women later. A man is told to leave his father and mother and become one with his wife. I love that the Bible emphasizes this, and this scripture from Genesis is repeated in the New Testament, uh, because it's, it's so important that we understand that while we're grateful to our parents and we want to honor our parents and, and we want to bless them and be in relationship with them throughout our lives and even care for them in their old age, we absolutely, when we marry, leave, in a sense, the covenant of our original home and we form a new covenant, so to speak, with our spouse. And our spouse, I'm speaking to men now, so our wives become primary. They become uh, the people we're most responsible for. And I have to tell you, as a man who's been in ministry for 30 years and pastored a lot of couples and married a lot of couples and helped a lot of marriages and had to work on my own, that there's nothing more destructive to a marriage than when the man will not leave his mama, will not leave, in a sense, his father, where he still lives as a son in his parents' house, so to speak, to the neglect of his wife. That, that's, that's devastating. I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen where the, the, the man being still a mama's boy and being more accountable to his mother than he is to his wife causes destruction. So God says, leave your father and your mother. Don't hate them. Don't refuse to call them. Don't care for them. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. You know what I mean. But your wife is primary. All right. Now give that some thought. This marriage covenant is exciting. This marriage covenant gives us the thing we're actually committing to. Men are often saying, well, how do I do this thing? There are no models. God gives us the model, and it's in Scripture. We're going to cover the rest of this in the next 15, but this, for now, is your 15.